Well, my name's Clayton. I'm the lead pastor here of the City Church. I just want to welcome you here. Uh, we've been in a series called El Nombre, and uh, we're continuing that series today. And Pastor Fred is going to come and continue that series for us here in just a second. But I want to just make sure you know who Fred is and, and what he does here. Uh, pastor Fred leads our Hope City campuses. Those are our churches that meet inside the Lubbock County Detention Center. And then across the street from the Lubbock County Detention Center is the Court Residential Treatment Center. And that's the CRTC. So we call it Hope City, LCDC, and CRTC. And Pastor Fred leads those ministries. And those are basically churches that meet inside those facilities. And so uh, before COVID hit, we had about four services, three in LCDC, one in CRTC, and had about 200 to 250 men joining us every week. And they would participate with us. They would have our teaching and worship and Fred would lead them. And we have small groups for those guys that meet in their pods. And so since COVID has hit, they've only been meeting in their small groups, but we're, we're praying and anticipating the day uh, that could come soon. Fred was just telling me actually that, that these groups have been growing and outgrowing the size of some of the classrooms they meet in. And so we're actually hoping we'll be able to launch services in there once again here very soon. But we've seen hundreds of men give their lives to Jesus through these services, through these campuses, churches, services that, that meet inside these facilities. We've seen many of these men get baptized, whether that's in baptism services in their facility or even here with us as they've been Released. We've seen many of these men and their families come to our church, get involved, get plugged in, get in small groups, even lead small groups. You'll hear from Fred about uh, some of the, the men that are even leading some of those small groups for us now, volunteering, serving here. In fact, it was just a couple of weeks ago, after a service, a man came up to me with tears in his eyes and he just wanted to thank me and our church for our, our churches, our services that we have meeting out at these facilities. He said his life was changed. He met Jesus there. And he said when he got out, this is a few weeks ago, he said when he got out, he told his family, we're going to the city church this week and we're going to join them. Uh, and so, man, I just want to say thank you. I think some of those men, their families would say thank you to you for your giving, your service, your time here. Uh, because what is happening here is, is changing people's lives, whether that's here or in one of these facilities. And so thank you. Uh, for being a part of what's going on here. God is using you, your time, money, all those things, everything that we do here to reach many people. And some of those people are people you don't ever get to see, but we want you to know about them. And so Pastor Fred's gonna come and share here, continue our series. And if you don't know Fred, when you get to know him, you know this man loves Jesus. He is passionate about Jesus and we are fortunate. We are so blessed to have him on our staff. So Pastor Fred, would you come and would you help me welcome him and thank him for sharing today? Thank you, Pastor Clayton. Uh, City fam, how are we doing this morning? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, for those, if we haven't met yet, my name is uh, Fred and I am the campus pastor over our Hope City campuses. And um, Man, super excited uh, that y'all have chosen to join us. If you're joining us online, we are super excited that you're uh, joining us today. Um, as we go through the service, if you get an opportunity, jump on the chat. Let us know where you're joining us from. Uh, we also, we also have a prayer, uh, prayer team that's eager and ready to pray for you in any way that we could uh, lift you guys up. So thank you again for joining us. Uh, but before we get started, I, I got to give a huge shout out. 
uh, to our Hope City guys. Thank you guys. Sorry I'm not able to be there with you guys this morning, but I look forward to uh, getting back there next week and hearing some of the stories as to how God spoke to you this week through his word. I also want to give a shout out to our Hope City volunteers. Our Hope City volunteers are making those services happen as we sit here today. Uh, and, and I'm so excited and I'm so thankful for the team that God has put together uh, out at Hope City. Um, but thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much for everything that you guys do. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, uh, I've been told that I, I, I seem pretty calm up here. But if uh, Clayton ever tells you that standing up here is not nerve wracking, he is so sugarcoating it. I can feel myself shaking in my shoes, in my tennis shoes. And so um, if y'all will just, I, like, I, like I feel like I'm about to get sick, like straight up, right? Um, but like Pastor Clayton was sharing, we've been in a series uh, called El Nombre, and uh, that is, that's Spanish for, um, for the name. And Brandon was poking fun at me. He said, Fred, I couldn't say it that way. He said, you need to say it, El Nombre. Uh, he said, but I can't say it that way. He said, because I'd chop it up. Um, but the most powerful part about this, this series that we've been in, it's not a new series. It's a series that we actually started last year that we're revisiting this year. Um, and we'll come back and we'll revisit it. But in this series, we have been looking at the attributes and names and the character of God as he is described in the scripture. Um, I'll I, I tell you this, um, the the scary part about it is, is, could you imagine if God did not reveal himself through his word? Think about that for just a minute. Let that soak in. Could you imagine if God chose not to reveal his attributes, his character? Could you imagine if the Holy Spirit didn't speak to you while you were reading the word of God? The scary part about it is that that would leave us to making God up in our own opinion. We would develop this, this self-image of God and who he really is and not really get to experience the true God himself. And so that being said, I am so thankful. I am so thankful. Jesus, I thank you for revealing yourself through your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for when we dig into your word that, that you speak so clearly that, that we know who you are. We know that your love, we know your mercy, we know your grace because of the way that you speak to us that identifies who you are and identifies your character to us. And so that being said, we could probably sit in this room and we could say, hey, you know what? There are some names that, uh, that maybe we go by. That maybe we go by nicknames that uh, or, or names that somebody calls you, maybe a nickname that they have for you. That uh, that that. But the thing that we have to realize is that it that it truly identifies your character and what you mean to that person that actually uses that nickname, right? And so uh, I'm going to share a little story. And you know, normally my wife sits back there in the back, and I was going to ask y'all for y'all's help. Um, but since she's sitting right up here in the front, um, yeah, I'm going to need you to just block her. If for some odd reason she gets up and gets ready to run at me, give me a head start. That way I can, I'll, I'll cut out the back. All right. But, uh, here a while back, I was visiting with a pastor friend of mine. Anybody ever been told, Hey, when you're struggling, go seek wise counsel, 
Go seek counsel from, from, from another pastor or another spiritual leader, right? And so I, forgive me, I went and I was visiting with a pastor friend of mine um, and I was asking him, I was trying to, she, she had brought up the subject, hey honey, how do you have me programmed in your phone? And I'm gonna be honest with you, up to this point in time, she was programmed as Amanda, Amanda. Uh, I didn't ever program a, a uh, term of endearment for her or anything like that. And so when she asked me, I was like, you know what? I, I, need, to, I need to speak, seek some counsel, some wisdom, right? Come up with a good name, right? So I go and I ask this pastor friend of mine, we're standing in the lobby of this church, and I asked him, I said, hey, what would be a, a, an awesome term of endearment that I could use to program my wife, uh, my wife's number into my phone? And this guy had no couth, no couth whatsoever. Men, if you are ever looking for a term of endearment for your wife, the last person you ever go ask is your wife's boss, okay? This guy, yeah, y'all are giggling. It was, it was really funny here in just a minute. So what this guy does, and I'm looking for like sugar bear or my flower or, uh, you know, something just really awesome, right? And he says, Fred, that's easy. I said, what's that? He says, crab cake. Oh my goodness. I thought to myself, he said that out loud. And my wife was standing in the room. And so I thought that not a fun day for Fred, right? Don't go ask your wife's boss what would be a good term of endearment, right? Because it just did not work out for Fred. Fred still had to go home to my Amanda later on that afternoon. And so some of you are probably still sitting here wondering, okay, so what did you program her number into your phone as? So the term that I came up with was not crab cakes. It was baby cakes, okay? So if, if I send my wife's contact to you for any reason, it's going to say baby cakes. And, and you just gotta understand, baby, you will always be my baby cakes. Always be my baby cakes. So, uh, so some of the things that, and then I got to wondering, hey, you know what, what about my names? What about names that people call me? And, and so the first one that I thought of was my, my professional name, my Fred. Fred. Fred is my professional name. That is my growing up name. Like at some point in time when I graduated high school, did I mature? No. So I did not get my professional name, but it was a name that went from my childhood name to my grown up name, which was Fred. Now, some of you are sitting in this room, Fred, I don't know what you're talking about. There are some of you that are in this room that your name is Richard and you go by the name Bobby, right? Come on, yeah. Some of us are. Some of us are. Uh, our names are Ronnie, and we go by Ron. Why? Because it ooh, makes us feel more mature, right? So Fred was my grown-up name. Fred was a name that I adopted as I grew. I was growing up, right? And then there was Mr. Fred. For there's some of you in this room that still call me Mr. Fred. Mr. Fred was a name that I that I, that students would call me. I spent about 16 years in kids ministry. And still today, there are kids that have graduated high school, that are off to college, that are married even, that still call me Mr. Fred. And that was because God allowed me to build a relationship with these kids and, and allowed me the opportunity to mean something. So when somebody calls me Mr. Fred, that immediately takes me back to my kids' ministry days because that, that name has meaning. Not everybody calls me Mr. Fred. 
Now they're on old, now they're older and, and they're married and they still call me Mr. Fred. And I'm kind of like, man, that makes me sound old now, right? So, but, but yeah, Mr. Fred has a lot of meaning to me. And then there is my childhood name. Okay. Now there may be some of you in here that grew up with me that when I say this name, you are going to remember some things you are. I, I am going to deny them. I will tell you that it was before Jesus days. They used to call me Freddie. Freddie was my childhood name. Freddie was my name through high school. That's what people called me. People that call me by Freddie. I try to stay away from those people because they know my deepest, darkest secrets. Like they would, to be honest with you, there's a lot of things that I don't remember. So they could actually make something up and I couldn't refute it at all. I couldn't, I couldn't tell them, ah, you're lying. I can't even say that. So for all I know, they probably are true. So when people call me Freddie, it's kind of like, oh boy, yeah, I've got to distance ourselves, right? Anybody ever been there? No, it's just me. Okay. Yeah. Again. <laughs> so, and there is my full name. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, anybody that calls me by my full name does not mean what you think it means, okay? My full name is Federico. Now, you're probably wondering, what? Yeah, there's no R in there. Most people say Frederico, but my name is Federico. And normally when that name was used, there's probably some of you guys in here, some of you ladies in here, that, that when mom say, Federico, ven aquí ahorita mismo. Boy, you knew that it didn't matter what your name meant. It, you was in trouble. You was in trouble. In my house, if they called you by your full name, normally it was mom or dad. It was all over. That is Spanish for let the beatings begin. <laughs> right? Not a good day. Not a good day in the Gonzalez house. But Federico... But here's the one thing that I will tell you. As I was preparing for this message, I really never looked up my name and what it meant. Never did. It just, I, I don't know if it just wasn't important to me or what. But I, I, the first week you saw Clay get, Clayton get up here and uh, he gave the Hebrew or Greek meaning of his name. Then Brandon got up here and gave a Greek meaning or a Hebrew meaning to his name. And I'm going to show you what I came up with. I'm going to show you what I came up with. This is what I came up with. Federico means peaceful ruler. We'll get to that here in just a minute. It's an Italian, Spanish, or American name. I searched and I searched and I searched. What is the Greek meaning of this? What's the Hebrew meaning of my name, Federico? It wouldn't give me no Hebrew or Greek meaning. So I had to stick with Italian, Spanish, or American. Here's the crazy part. Peaceful ruler. For those of you that call me Freddie, you know dang well that that was not me. I was the opposite of peaceful. I was rebellious. And I was most definitely not a ruler. I, I made a good follower. But I thank God every day that even as we start digging in and seeing the meaning of God and we start seeing the meaning of his attributes and his character, that now I understand, and now I understand what it means to be a peaceful ruler, not only for Fred's life, but Fred's family's lives, for how I carry on in the ministry. I struggle with that every day. I struggle with, I struggle with being a ruler. I, 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 I 
it's hard for me. I, I don't, I'm more of a, more of a God, you just kind of lead the way, I'll follow you. And so as we get ready to dig in, for those of you that are, um, <clears throat> have our app, you can go to our app and you can uh, click on, on uh, message notes and you'll be able to follow along. For those of you that haven't, uh, I would encourage you to download our app. Go to your app store, uh, download the City Church Lubbock. You'll, there you'll find our logo and you can download our app and follow along with us in the notes. So over the last several months, we, have, we as a staff have been reading a book called uh, Systematic Theology by Wayne Gruden. And I'm gonna be honest with you. We, we, as, as I started reading this book, I am not a guy that has any type of theology. I don't have any type of seminary. I'm just a guy that loves Jesus, that depends on Holy Spirit to, to speak to me as I open up God's word. I, I ask God, God, every time that I open up your word, I want you to reveal, I wanna see your face, Jesus. And so for, for me, when I started reading this book, Systematic Theology, it, 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 it showed me a different aspect or a perspective of how I see God. Like I see God completely different now. I see God, I, I, I see God in a completely different aspect of, of how I want to see God or how I used to see God. Because what this, what this book has done is it has opened my eyes up to be able to identify and see the one true God. Not the God that, that, that uh, I experience, but the God, that, the God that for who he is and how I get to receive him and how he wants to work in my life. Not about how Fred wants to work in God's ministry, but how, how God wants Fred to work in God's ministry. And so it's really opened up my eyes to a completely different aspect. In Wayne Grudem's book, he says this. He says, in the Bible, a person's name is a description of his or her character. Likewise, the names of God in scripture are various descriptions of his character. In a broad sense, then God's name is equal to all that the Bible and creation tell us about God. When we pray, hallowed be thy name, as part of the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, verse 9, we are praying that people would speak about God in a way that is honoring to him and that accurately reflects his character. This honoring of God's name can be done with actions as well as words. For our actions reflect the character of, our, of the creator whom we serve in Matthew 5, 16. Now the Bible does give many individual names of, to God, all of which reflect some true aspect of his character Many of these names are taken from human experiences or emotions in order to describe parts of God's character. Many of these names are taken from the human experience or emotions in order to describe parts of God's character. While many others names are taken from the rest of the, of the natural creation, in a sense, all these expressions of God's character in terms of nothing found in the universe are names of God because they tell something true about God. So another thing that has been kind of, we've been kind of setting up for this is we've been talking about attributes and the attribute that I'm going to be visiting with you about today is God is free. God is free. Now, 
Here's the one thing that I will tell you. So many times we, we turn around and we, we see uh, God as a freedom. We, we see God, what we can obtain from God is a, is a freedom from a certain situation or a certain uh, addiction or a certain thing that we get to experience from God. But today, I'll, I'll explain it to you like this. In Psalms, it says, in Psalms 115, verse 3, it says, Our God is in the heavens, and he does as he wishes. In, in Proverbs 21.1, he said, the, king, the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. In, da in Daniel 4, verse 35, he says, all the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of the heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? Watch this. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything than you could imagine. And that's in Isaiah 55, 8. Today, I'm going to talk to you about how God is free to do as he pleases, when he pleases, outside the realm of anything that we could ever imagine. Truth is, if we go to look even at this last passage, we know that God is not like us. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't want like us. He doesn't need like us. He doesn't act like us. Whoa. He doesn't act like us. He's not like us at all. Wayne Grudem's book goes on to say this, God's freedom is an attribute of God, uh, attribute of God whereby he does whatever he pleases. This definition implies that nothing in all creation can hinder God from doing his will. This attribute of God is therefore closely related to his will and his power. Yet this aspect of freedom focuses on the fact that God is not constrained by anything external to himself and that he is free to do whatever he wishes to do. There is no person or force that can ever dictate to God what we should do, what he should do. He is under no authority or external restraint, meaning God does not need our help. He doesn't need our help. When we finally start seeing the attribute of the freedom of God and the free will of God, then we can start experiencing what he is really free to do. It helps us to understand why he responds the way he does. Normally it's way far beyond our expectation. Sometimes he responds in ways that don't look like he's doing much of anything, but yet the most powerful part about it is that he has mine and your best interest at heart as he moves in our lives. He responds way out of our expectation. We continually need to be reminded that God is going to do whatever he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, and nine times out of 10, it's gonna look the way he wants it to, right? Actually, 10 times out of 10, it's gonna look the way he wants it to because his plan is perfect. Let me kind of show you what I'm talking about. In Mark 
chapter two, verses one through 12. He says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back. Soon the house where he was staying was packed with visitors, that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word for them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole. Now, could you picture this? Picture this. So they dug a hole in the roof above his head and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the religious teachers some of the religious law, some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? Like, this is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sin. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. See, the truth is, is that there are going to be a couple of things that we're going to look at this morning, but normally we'd kind of do this in a kind of a different way. Normally share our big idea at the tail end of the message, but I want to get the big idea out there to you early because as we dig in and we start picking apart this passage and how God is revealed, we see this God's freedom is consistent with his character. God's freedom is consistent with his character. Watch this. I'm sorry. Yeah. God's freedom is, is consistent with his character. So the first thing that, that, that pops out in this passage is God's free to create. God is free to create. In Mark 2, Verses 10 through 12, he says, so I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority to forgive sin. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. See, we see that God's free to create in this passage. Like God was, God is setting up what God's will is here. From the, from the Genesis, from the time that, that Jesus spoke nothing into something, when he spoke the world into existence, he done it because he had the authority and power to do it. Here he spoke. He spoke something into creation that wasn't expected by anybody. We go to look at, we go to look at, at from the, from the, uh, in Mark two, where he turns around and he, he tells his guy like, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. 
Now, I don't know about you, it never really, expe- it never really explains how long this guy was on his mat, but I can tell you, th- tell you this, there are things in my life that paralyze me day in and day out that I can choose to remain on that mat, that I can choose not to accept the, ex- the, accept the creation of, that God has for my life. I can choose to be stuck in my addiction or my depression or my anxiety when God's free will is to free me. This man was bold. Not only did Jesus tell him, get up, roll up your mat and go home. This guy jumped up, rolled up his mat and walked out when, hmm. You know what stands out to me? Is that God made the impossible possible. There may be some impossible things going on in your life right now that God is wanting to turn around that God is wanting to reshape, that God is trying to refigure some, some heart conditions that me and you may have. If we go into as far as even God's free will to create, where did we see Jesus do the impossible and made it possible in John 11? You remember the story, the story of Lazarus. Sisters had already sent for Jesus. Oh, your faithful, your, your faithful brother is, is sick. He's sick. Like, Jesus, you got to come now. Jesus sent word back. You just let them know that Lazarus will not fall to this illness. Several days later, Jesus shows up. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Scripture says that he had been dead so long that, 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 that he stinketh. Yet Jesus would make the impossible possible by his spoken word of Lazarus, get up and come here, come out. And that Lazarus would get up and walk out. God's free to create, to turn things around The second thing that stood out in this passage to me is God is free to judge. God is free to judge. The thing that me and you have to understand is that God is holy, he's sovereign, and he is a just judge. What people don't realize in this passage is that if I look at my life, did you know that without Jesus, already stand condemned? Did you know that you already stand condemned? See, me and you have something in common. We're sinners. We're sinners. And because of our sin, we already stand condemned. The most powerful part about this passage that we see is that this is judgment day. Watch this. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk. So I will prove to you, I will prove to you 
that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sin. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. See, this was judgment day. This was judgment day. God had to take care of the judgment problem with the paralyzed guy before he could ever do anything else. He had to take care of this sin. He had to, he had to address the sin in this guy's life and he has to address the sin in mine and your life. That is God's foremost, foremost number one priority is to focus on the sin in our lives. When he addresses the sin, only then can me and you understand a relationship with Jesus. This was judgment day. God could have healed him. Jesus could have turned around and said, pick up your mat and never address the sin. And guess what? He would still stand before judgment. So Jesus had to take care of the sin problem first. He had to take care of the heart. In James 4, Verse 12, he, God, James says this, God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save and destroy. So what right do we have to judge our neighbor? God is all knowing. He knows everything. Like there is absolutely nothing that me or you could ever hide from him. We will hold an account we will hold an account when we stand before God. I think sometimes the most crazy part about it is that we get caught up in our own religion and traditions and, and, and our way of belief. God doesn't care about that. God sees your heart. God sees you. God sees me. And he understands that we're broken. That's why it leads me to this third topic is God is free to redeem. God is free to redeem. Isn't it amazing that me and you serve and love such a loving and merciful God? Watch this. The foreman arrived carrying the paralyzed man on the mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. See, the truth is, it's that God's free will to redeem and reconcile us back to himself all comes at how we approach him with our sin. God wants to take care of our sin. See, the truth is, I, I struggle to understand that type of love. Like there's times in my life 
where there were friends carrying me on my mat. There was times that my mat became more of a lifestyle to me than me realizing how much Jesus wanted to set me free. Through my addictions, my anger, my depression, my anxiety, anything and everything that controlled my life, that was my mat. And maybe that's your mat today. See, the truth is with Jesus, it doesn't matter where we've been, what we've done, how far we've been away from him. His love for us is unconditional. Let me show you. In Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5, he says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. See, the truth of the gospel is that we're all broken. We're all broken. I'm broken, you're broken. And we've sinned against God. In the book of Romans, it tells us that, that there is not one that's good, not one. But through God's mercy and love, that he would give his son to be falsely accused, to be beaten, to be crucified to take his last breaths on that cross so that I wouldn't have to, so that you wouldn't have to. That he would be buried and three days later, God would raise him from the dead and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. The gospel is real. See, Jesus thought about me and you in advance. He knew. Yet he chose to redeem us. He chose us to call us his own. He chose me and you to be his masterpiece if we would just put our faith and trust in God. Look, I know what it is to be far from Jesus. but I know what it means to have a personal relationship with him. I know what it is for God to set me free through his creation and his judgment and his redemption power, the authority that only he has. And the same is for you. Maybe you're sitting in this room and you've never realized how much Jesus loves you. You may be watching online right now 
And you may be asking yourself, like, how do I step into this relationship? How do I seek forgiveness? See, there's nothing that I could do better or try harder to earn my way in. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And it's only the forgiveness that me and you can obtain through Jesus that we can be made right with God. That redemption power that Jesus has, he chose to redeem me and you. So if that's you today, that you've never committed your life to Christ, I wanna urge you, I wanna, I beg God, God let our hearts be broken. God, bring me to this place of repentance that I would turn from my wicked ways and turn back to you. That's Jesus. So if you're making that choice today, I wanna challenge you to let us know about it. If you got our app, you can go on there, you can fill out the connect form. We wanna celebrate with you. It is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. God, thank you for being so free to redeem and reconcile us back to you. So that takes me back to big, our big idea this week, that God, God's freedom is consistent with his character. God's freedom is consistent with his character to create new out of something broken, to give the blind their sight back, the mute, the ability to speak again, the lame to be able to walk again, that he would raise the dead and bring back to life God's freedom to create, God's freedom to judge us realizing that what we deserve, what I deserve, and that I don't have to worry about a judgment from anybody besides my creator and the freedom to redeem, the freedom that he has to redeem would all press us back towards his character. See, for me, it's better said like this. Freedom isn't a what, it's a who. Freedom isn't a what you experience, it's a who you get to experience when you encounter Jesus. Set you free. You know, I've been out at Hope City for about four and a half years now. And I'm going to be honest with you, that wasn't my first choice. There are some of you that are sitting in this room that are a product, that are a fruit of the seed that was planted out there at those facilities but I'm here to tell you, it wasn't my first choice to go out to that LCD, to, out to LCDC or CRTC. I thought I was gonna be spending the rest of my life sharing the gospel with kids 
And I thank God for that part of my life every day. Because there's one thing that I don't remember about my childhood, about my, about my being younger, it was my childhood. And when I committed my life to Christ, he gave me the ability not to experience my childhood, but to be able to experience other kids' childhood that would remind me. I never desired to go out to LCDC. I'm a former police officer, spent 12 years in law enforcement. When I left law enforcement, I knew that I was done. God was doing a work in me that I never thought that would bring me to a place of putting my yes on the table to go wherever he was gonna send me and to do whatever he's called me to do. See, the first time that I stepped into that jail that that steel door closed behind me, shook me to the bone. Shook me to the bone. Then and only then did I know that God was about to rock my world. For those of you that are sitting in this room that are a product of LCDC and CRTC, God used you to change my life. God used you to change the way I see people, the way I love people. Like I don't need to know anything about their past. God has called me to love them. See, when I first stepped into that place, I went to a place called the Hope Pod. And I met a guy that God used to radically change my life. You've probably seen him around here. His name is Fabian. And let me tell you, Fabian was looking at a long time. He, he would tell me, Fred, I'm going away. I'm going away. Because he knew he knew what he deserved because of his sin. He said, Fred, they're looking at giving me 45 years. He said, I'm gonna be honest with you, I deserve it. He said, but I need God to change my life, bro. I need God to change my heart. We would meet and we would, we would pray together, like on our knees, face to the ground, pleading to God, God, would you do a miracle? Would you change Fabian's heart? Would you change his situation? Would you change his circumstance? Then I met Fabian's wife. And before I met Fabian's wife, I met his son. Didn't even know this little guy. This little guy standing this tall come into my classroom one Saturday night, hugged my leg and latched on like I, like I knew him. And he looked up at me with tears in his eyes and he says, thank you for helping my daddy. Thank you for helping my daddy. I looked up and I saw Fabian's wife standing at the door. Then and only then did God reveal to me what he was going to end up doing in this whole situation. Fabian spent 36 months out there at LCDC. He grew in a relationship with Jesus. God created in Fabian 
a new heart, a new desire. Fabian stood before judgment as he was behind those bars and found freedom in a relationship with Jesus and stepped into the redemption power that can only come through that relationship. A few months later, Fabian was released. And it's only by God's miracle. Fabian now is an active volunteer with the Hope City team. He goes and he is equipped with the gospel to go and share the story of hope that can only come through Jesus to the same men that sit in the same chairs that he did. He's an active member of this team, of this, of this church, helps with our media team. He launched a group here several months ago and the group is all men, men that have been incarcerated, that are seeking God, that are seeking the goodness of God over their lives. And if you could just sit back and just hear them speak about how, God, how they encountered Jesus and how they study their scripture. Oh man, we start seeing the reality of God's character. I tell you this story because there may be some of you in this room that are a fruit of what God continues to do over and over as he reveals himself to you. See, this passage ends in verse 12, where he says they were all amazed. I stand in awe of what God can do, not only as a testimony in my life, but in the testimony of many as to what God does. They stood amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. Will you pray with me? Almost gracious heavenly fathers, we come to you, God. God, I pray, Father God, that even as we stand here in awe of who you are, God, that we understand that God, you are free. You are free to do as you please. You are free to do what you want, when you want, God. I thank you, Father, that you are a God that is about our interest. Like you chose us. Your word says that, that we are your masterpiece. And so God, I just thank you I thank you, Father God, that as you, you continue to, to create in our lives something new, that you continue to, to, to convict us, Father God, of maybe the sin that dominates us from time to time. Point that out to us, God. Give us your strength and your peace, Father God, to overcome. That we would be able to see and experience your redeeming power, God. Father, we love you. 
I just ask, Father God, that you forgive me where I have failed you. Thank you for loving me first. Father, it's in your precious son's name that we ask these things. Amen.